gonna be the boy to warm your mother's heart I'm so scared to take you away I tried to win her over but from the start But something always got in the way We've been sitting in your backyard for hours But she won't even come out and say hi While my mother baked a little cake for you And even dreaded when you said goodbye What kind of car wheels do I have to pull? What kind of jokes should I lay out of now? I'm inclined to go finish high school Just to make a notice that I'm around Welcome to more Movie Talk with Foibles. Now we're going to be talking a lot about movies because it's kind of our central interest, isn't it? Our obsession, I should say. Totally. Yeah, it's a big facet. I mean, books too, but those are a little bit more solitary because we can't watch them together, you know. Right, and you don't have much time for reading anyway because you're busy with your all your working and you also write. Yeah, it's true. Poetry. So, we'll yeah. talk about that someday. Yeah, we will definitely have a poetry. A, or as I like to say, poetry. Poetry. <laughs> poetry. Poetry segment. Um, so to give a little window into some great movies that you can watch and uh, why we think they're great. We have a a new idea that we're going to try to uh, put together for you. Yeah, we compiled a list of movies that we call the canon. Now, it's not the canon. It's not like the AFI canon or the BFI canon, which is like, oh, of all the movies in the world, these are the greatest. We're not saying these are the greatest. We're saying these are the ones that we love the most. Mm -hmm. For various reasons, whether it's they're just so fun, or they are great, or... They're so bad. they're so bad. (laughs) Or they came at a time in our lives that was very important and resonated in a really special way for us. Kind of imprinted, yeah. Right. So this is our opinion. This is not... uh, uh, It's completely subjective. Yeah, it's not even an opinion. It's just a a fact of the ones that we love. Um, Right. And so what we decided to do was... In compiling this initial list, we made up some rules for ourselves about, um, in order to sort of get a diverse sampling at the same time as, you know, there are top picks. Yeah, now the first thing that we should emphasize is this is our list together. This is not my list or Zoe's list. It's it's together because um, we've both seen them Mm -hmm. and we both agree they should be on the list. Uh, So, there's a lot of overlap in what my list and Zoe's list would be individually, but there are outliers and things that I would put on here that she's not agreeing to. And Right, so this is like the canon of our relationship, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good way to put it, yeah. So, um, let's see, what were the things that we said in order to... Beca- well, the reason we did the rules, first of all, is that if we're, if I were just picking them randomly, they would all pretty much be from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> Right, <laughs> pretty much a, a few, uh, and a few from later decades. But uh, so we we didn't want to to be too narrow that way. So we started off with um, so obviously films we've both seen at least once. Um, for my, if I were doing my own personal list, I'd probably make a rule for myself that it would have to be a film that I'd seen more than once. Um, but between the two of us, that's just not very no feasible. Can do. Yeah. So we're doing we've seen at least once. Um, and then we decided to get a, div- a diversity of chronological films. and made So the basically there would be one film per decade minimum. So no film, no decade will not have a film assigned to it except for the silent era because that one's, that's just a rougher uh, 
task there. So we said there have to be at least two silent films. There have to be at least two non-English films, um, meaning we, we started with foreign films, but then I realized, well, it would be so easy to do England and yeah. Australia and Canada. So they have to be two non-English speaking films and at least one documentary and then we can fill in with, with the rest. But we needed to at least make sure we hit right. those notes in our list. So our plan for the ongoing canon is that uh, we, we decided that maybe we wanted to sort of curate our own, uh, like think about it like the Criterion Collection. We'll probably talk, discuss between ourselves and add two films maybe a month or quarterly that we think should be added into the canon. So there's, yeah. we started with uh, 25 films. Uh, yeah, so uh, this short, this little short episode uh, is going to be um, a few, uh, a few, well, three, not a few, but three specifically films that we want to go over first. And uh, because we're going to split the the twenty five list into two podcasts, because it'll take so long to talk about them. But these three, I've pulled out, and I thought we should talk about this because these are the three films from the, the canon that any man who wants has serious designs on my daughter must watch and like. <laughs> <laughs> well, any person. Oh, any person. I'm sorry. That was being, that was, yeah, I was being too narrow there. So any person who has serious designs on my daughter must watch and like. <laughs> Fair enough. And I don't know why this came about. It's certainly not something I ever uh, intended, but who was, do you remember the first person? It was the Jack and Apes guy, right? Well, I guess so. Yeah, yeah it was Jack um, and I guess I had a yeah, I had a friend named Michael in high school, and uh, he was really fun. And obviously, he had a big crush on me. Um, but we we like to hang out and obviously. do like <laughs> it's it only was, true. It seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, was, um, yeah to he did. everybody. Um, but we like to do kind of literary things together. So like we went to Shakespeare in the Park and stuff. And uh, he he was just kind of a funny guy who had like. This sort of archaic vocabulary that he liked to bandy around. I know. And so I, I, mom loved him. I loved him. We got along so he liked barbershop quartets. He used the word jackanapes in conversation. Uh, yeah, I, he was, I, and I thought he was cute too. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I thought it just in, on that level, he seemed like a good match for you. I know that, you know, you informed me he was not a good match for you. <laughs> so uh, I decided that he needed to watch Captain Blood. So this is a movie from 1935. It's a movie I adore. I first saw it actually in the theater, at a repertory theater in Cleveland, which I've probably mentioned before, and just loved it. It stars Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, and our beloved Basil Rathbone, a.k.a. Ratters, as he was known when he was in English public school. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess we'll talk more about the movie in a second, but on a, a tangent about Basil Rathbone, he's a great actor. I love him, too. So much charisma. Um, but Mom was such a fan in high school, <laughs> oh, with no. me and her friend, that um, they got these tank tops made. And this was back in the day when, you know, you couldn't just order... A design from the print shop, you know. You, ha- you had to take it down to the <laughs> shop with your shirt and the picture and have them do it, yeah. Transfer it. And so yeah. she got a, um, these shirts made with his face on them and then hand-embroidered these, like, bold um, sort of t- typeface letters, ratters, underneath it. And I still have this tank top she that I'm wearing it, yeah. now. <laughs> I think it's so styling, but... Uh- <laughs> it looks very good on you. Yes, yes. Anyway, so... Uh- <laughs> okay, back to the movie. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I... 
I don't, I think back, there's no particular reason why I chose this. It just came to me in an intuitive leap. And of course, I knew that this, that Mr. Jack and Apes would love, would like this movie. I, I, I could feel that. So that's probably one of the reasons I chose it because I loved it and I thought it would go down well. But my line to you was, any man if or any going- person who's interested <laughs> in you must watch Captain Blood. Right. And I had seen it before. We yes. watched it together. And yeah, I adored it too. It's just so rollicking. It's so, I don't know, swashbuckling, it's, it's like a, it's romance, a, absolutely. high adventure. Bosoms yeah. heaving. So much bosom heaving. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. So it's, um, it's a sort of pirate movie, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it was from a novel written by Raphael Sabatini. And uh, which that alone, <laughs> and uh, basically, Captain Peter Blood is a doctor, and he uh, follows his medical ethics and helps a wounded man who actually happens to be part of the revolution against King, King James, and therefore he is convicted of uh, harboring a fugitive or something like that, aiding a fugitive, and he goes into. Uh, I wanted to say work camp, but that's not right. <laughs> the right thing. I can't think of the word for it. But anyway, he he is um, transported to the colonies, and he ends up there as a slave laborer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it goes from there. He, I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> and of lines. course, there's a woman who's waiting who falls in love with him. Oh, of and, course. Yes. And yeah, and the aforementioned bosoms heave <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and Errol Flynn is one of the most, most gorgeous human beings who was ever born. It's I mean, true, yeah. He totally is, angelic. like Oh, just beautiful. Yeah. You know, beautiful person. Not a um, beautiful looking person, I should say. Yeah. Not necessarily a beautiful person in his character, shall we say. But anyway, we won't go on into... The, we'll do an Errol Flynn segment, I think, at some point. Yeah. I think it'd be well worth it. But anyway. So do you remember what your reaction to my fiat was? Um, I think... I mean, as far as I remember, I was I was like, yeah, let's do it. It's kind of cool that I have this friend who's actually, like, you know, t- can talk to my mom and, you know, meet her on this weird intellectual historical <laughs> level. Which is weird because a lot of people bring home who just keep their eyes glued to the floor and can't even look a, look an adult in the eye, which is really, it was always strange to me. Yeah, it was strange to me, too. I mean. Uh, yeah, you've always been able um, to talk to anybody yeah so i was pretty excited about that and i'd seen captain blood and i was like yeah it's so fun sure let's watch it why not and maybe there was a little undercurrent of like embarrassment of like mom like (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i I don't think i said that to him in that way no i'm sure i didn't i I, i'm smart enough not to do that i think we were just talking about how maybe we should do something together because you two were getting along and you know we had to check him out Mm -hmm. you know but he didn't mr jack and apes did not last long so we moved on however he did like the movie he did like the movie, but it wasn't because he didn't like the movie. <laughs> I didn't nix him. Uh, in fact, I, I think I grieved when you uh, yeah, I think so. said, no, this is not going to happen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> rats. Um, so we, I don't, I don't remember who the next person I was. I think it must have been um, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, so I had a, a, a an actual boyfriend yes. of two months. Yeah. In and high school. Um, you know, it was like a, a May relationship yeah. or whatever, you he, know. He was he was a slam poet, right? Yeah. Sweetheart, total, total sweetheart, sweetheart, friends to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, dear heart. Uh, anyway, he came, did we watch Captain Blood? We watched Captain Blood. I'm pretty sure we watched a couple of other, or at least one of the other movies on this list. Because the next, too. well, the next one usually in line is Laura, which is from 1944. Mm-hmm. Film noir, directed by Otto Preminger, starring the gorgeous, beautiful Jean Tierney. 
and the manly, 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 manly man, Dana Andrews. <laughs> kind of our, our pick over Bogart, let's say. Oh, uh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, no. I would say per, a personal pick. If, yeah. If I had to choose, I said, which one do you want? Yeah. I would choose Dana Andrews. Me too. Um, maybe Not necessarily as a movie star or sure. as... Who's the greater noir detective, or but just kind of who... Yeah, Yeah. my personal my, my personal flavor yeah. of noir detective. And there's a young uh, Vincent Price playing that, that the pretty boy, which I uh, freaked me out when I first saw that. This is another one I saw in Cleveland in the Repertory Theater on the big screen. Uh, Dame Judith Anderson is in it. She's magnificent. I adore that woman. And uh, many, many other great people. But anyway, so Laura is a situation where I don't even... Should we even tell the beginning? If somebody hasn't seen this, they won't know. The twist comes actually fairly early in the movie. It's true. So it opens, let's put it this way. It opens where uh, a woman, Laura, uh, is, uh, is is determined to be dead, uh, shot in shot with a shotgun, and Dane Andrews is the, de- the detective who begins to investigate her case. And we see Laura um, in, in flashbacks. We learn who she is. We see her in the world. We see her in her relationships and so forth. So that's how we we learn about her as the detective learns about her. And then it goes on from there and, and uh, takes just fantastic proportions of wonderful dialogue and voiceover narration. It's so snappy. It's so, so many good. just character. Yeah. Characters. So much subtext, too, in terms of the sexuality. Totally. And the things that are going on there. We'll do a Laura segment, too, at some point. But right now we're just talking about it as a gauge for the possibility of, of a serious relationship for my daughter. <laughs> so, Anthony... Um, I don't know. I don't think he really, I don't think it really resonated with him. I don't think it was his cup of tea at all. Yeah. I mean, I think the um, the idea of like that hard-boiled detective and stuff appeals to a lot of people. Right. And a lot of the people who have seen these movies with us, again, they were like, kind of like, I get it, but. Yeah, they don't feel it. Yeah. Because it is historical. It is old. You have to just love just the the, the patter. The, the There's a lot, a certain you rhythm. You have to be of, able to keep up with the pattern. Yeah. And there's a certain rhythm of speech that it's older. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're dialing the phones. And Dana Andrews wears this short tie that doesn't even go to his belt. The short, fat tie <laughs> thing. And the high pants. The high-waisted pants that the men wore. <laughs> and the fedoras. I mean, you kind of have to be able to get into the look and the feel, and and I think maybe know something about history in order to be able to put it in its place. I, I'm just guessing there. And then I'm pretty sure we watched the third movie together um, as well that's on oh, our list. Okay, and shall we name that one? Yeah, so the third movie that's on our list is The Warriors. 1977? Seminal, 1979. Right. 1979, yeah. Seminal Gangsters in New York movie, but with such a different flavor, really um, kind well, of comic booky. Well, and originally uh, the... Uh, director envisioned it as a comic book so it would be they would have a scene and then there'd be an inter uh, I won't call I guess I call it intertitle like they did in the silent movies where there would be actually a drawn picture of the warriors in the situation and then it would slide and then the live action would begin again I didn't see it that way the the theatrical release I saw it in 79 in the theater um, was didn't have that and I loved it so much it's wonderful. It's basically the Odyssey. They're, the Argonauts are the warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gang is trying to get back to uh, Coney Island, which is their turf. The group of the warriors and many other gangs converge, I think it was, was it Central Park, which is amazing, I think, in New York City uh, to, to meet this charismatic gang leader who wants to lead, who wants to unite them and take over the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, things do not go well. Uh, one of the bad guys 
shoots the uh, assassinates the yeah, and this all happens leader. in the first couple minutes. Yeah, so, so we're not we're not des- destroying it for you, right? And, um, and I think the part of it is that like this this force was going to take over the city. Like it was so many gangsters right. together, they were all going to like kind of. Um, centralize their government and like have do a, the math suckers yeah exactly <laughs> so good there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole city <laughs> exactly awesomeness and uh, uh, the oh, bad his, guys are kind of just a force for chaos and so yeah and so basically they shoot the the uh, leader kill him and the warriors get blamed and so every gang in the city is out to get the warriors and the warriors is trying to, are trying to get through this to get back to Coney and, and safety and so many many things happen on on the way and one of the most wonderful things about it are pretty much the um the, the gangs are like themed you know each gang the warriors are cool they have their cool other vests yeah. and stuff and each a unique look but there are gangs that are like the baseball furies is one of them. They're my, they're my favorite. Yeah. Baseball. They're pretty famous, the baseball furies. Yeah. They wear those old-style baseball uniforms with the... the Stripes. The, yeah. yeah. The kind of, they're not knickers, but they're, they gather like at the, at the ankle. They're yeah. kind of pantaloony. And carry around baseball bats. Yeah. And their faces are all painted in like demonic right. colors. Right. And uh, my favorite is the uh, rollerblading hillbillies. Yeah, yeah. With their uh, <laughs> overalls and <laughs> their roller skates. At the time, before there were VCR, there was no way to record movies or stream them or anything like that. You just had to go to the theater. I actually saw this movie seven times, uh, probably within its theatrical release, which must have been a year and a half, maybe. I mean, I saw it a lot. I I just, I don't know why. It resonated a lot with me. I loved it. Yeah. So that was the third movie that your intended would have (laughs) to watch. Yeah. I love this movie, too. And out of the three, I mean, it's probably... this. So this is the movie that I tell people, like, oh, it's my favorite movie. Um, we watched it definitely together for the first time in the back room in the beanbag. Well, we had a big bean, beanbag back there. I mean, I was pretty young. And so I, I got this movie, you know, on a level that, like, it took me longer to learn about Laura, even. Good point. Yeah. And so and so I've seen this movie, too, as well, like, ten times. More. More. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just so wonderful. So tightly constructed too, and so yeah. sip, so simple. You don't get a movie with a premise that simple. That's that good. And the director's cut is okay. Uh, I have to say, the theatrical version is better. Yeah, we both agree on that. We've I seen don't. Both. I cannot find it anywhere. I don't think you can buy a, a copy of the uh, the theatrical version anymore. I, I mean, we tried to the, the DVD cut. on like eBay or something, so we have a couple copies of it now, but. Yeah, but it was it's yeah. really really pretty impossible to get. But I do recommend unless you go to Scarecrow and rent it because they have it. Yeah, exactly. Scarecrow Video, yeah, Seattle, Washington. The execution of it with those intertitles cutting in there, you can feel that it interrupts the flow, it interrupts the building of the suspense and the excitement in the film. Whereas the theatrical version just really, it's like a train; it just barrels on through. I'm seeing someone now, David, and uh, he's seen all three of these movies. With us. Well, he's seen The Warriors, but before. he watched Laura and Captain Blood with us. Right, and I have to say that he'd seen The Warriors before, so he got off on that one. <laughs> we did not make him watch that because he'd seen it, and he liked it. That's good. Then we did Captain Blood was the first one we did, and he really liked that. Oh, yeah. like, oh, David, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I mean, he just he was excited. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Laura, I think he might need to watch Laura again. Yeah, I mean, that's one I needed to watch again. Yeah. Anyway, I think that we have wrapped up the... Pretty much. Three. Okay, so I have a question yeah. or that I think is interesting personally. So these three are 
really top tier films in our canon. Um, but I'm interested to to hear what you know about how famous they are or how well known they are because I, the Warriors is pretty more recent. It seems like pretty much a classic. It's I, a cult. It's a cult. Yeah, yeah a cult lot of people classic. I know have seen it. It yeah. still plays on uh, channels sometimes. Um, but the other two, I don't think I would have ever heard of them had you not oh. brought them to me. Well, Laura is, it's a, it's canon for film noir. Yeah. Otto Preminger was a very famous director. It uh, did very well. In fact, it won the Academy Award for best uh, theme, the, the, the Laura theme, which is a fantastic piece of music. Yeah. They if always I can get say, a hold of it, I'll put it in here. Oh, that'd be great. They always call it the haunting theme of Laura, um, and it is haunting. It, it, that's the perfect word for it. Really deserved the Academy Award, I think. But the film is very well known. It's, it's total canon. I guess things do drop out, but it's it's like uh, Maltese Falcon. I think the Bo- Bogart movies, those Bo- Bogart noirs, the Maltese Falcon and uh, what's Casablanca, the, if you count that. If you count that, there's the uh, the, the Big Sleep. Right. It's the other one. Those tend to be more famous because Bogart became kind of a, uh, an icon in mm-hmm. the 70s, as this the cool icon, along with Marilyn Monroe and so forth. And none of the people in, other than Vincent Price, but nobody knows he's in it because, you know, he later went on to the old horror movies. So I think it was, those were, the Bogart films were better known, those noirs, because he was better known. Yeah, I think those are certainly the ones that are generally taught, at least in the film classes I've had and okay. stuff. Yeah. I've never taken a film class, so I, that I, I wouldn't know. But uh, Laura, in terms of its level in the, in the noir canon, is it's up there, it's known. Uh, and you would know better, like t- with today's youngsters. Oh yeah, uh, nobody's ever heard of either of these two films. Oh. Maybe they've seen The Warriors yeah. if they're into film. Captain Blood, it's a it's a top swashbuckler, but swashbucklers are not a thing now. And it was very popular when it came out. Uh, Errol Flynn was very famous. It was known for quite a while. But I don't. I mean, I think in, certainly in film circles. I mean, if you're talking to film people, everybody knows Captain Blood. Everybody knows Laura. Those those are just they're known. But I don't get the feeling that I feel like of the three Captain Blood is the most obscure also the style is older it's 30s and it's lacks subtlety shall we say in the acting yeah (laughs) Uh, but it's nonetheless great but I think that the style is also something that again you have to develop a, a, a sense of it and an ability to watch it in a certain way otherwise it just feels can feel irritating or overblown Mm mm-hmm so, ultimately, the point is we recommend these three top-tier, must-see. Please go out and see these. You will not regret it. You will enjoy it so very much. And if you want to date me, yeah. <laughs> you better like these movies. <laughs> exactly. So we'll be back uh, next time with a, a more a holistic discussion of the first half or the second half of our can. We haven't decided whether we're going new to old or old to new yet, but... That'll be our next.